We have a, a special guest in the house, a, uh, a longtime uh, friend of mine personally and longtime pastor from Jackson, Mississippi. So does anybody here speak Mississippi? <laughs> right? You speak it too, yeah, good, good. So could you translate? Uh, <laughs> do you speak both, you know? We're, we're happy to have Pastor Chuck Ford here today to bring the word. He's pastors a great church in Jackson for a lot of years, and, and, uh, and so he's in the house today to bring the word. So let's open up our heart wide to receive. Amen. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Who, who speaks Mississippian? Who's that? Okay. Got a few people. Great. Awesome. We're in the right place, y'all. So uh, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John 1. We'll get there in, in just a minute. But uh, it is such a privilege to be here and an honor to be here and, and uh, uh, have my wife with me, Tammy, and my wife of 28, 20, 28 years, I think. Hey, when it gets over 25, you just say, it's over 25, okay? So... Um, <clears throat> I was glad to have her with me. We have two children, Sydney, who is 18, and uh, Luke. She's graduating high school uh, here in just a couple of weeks. And then Luke is 15, and he's about this tall and works out every day like I do. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, uh, they were supposed to come with us, but they both had pretty heavy load with school finishing up. And so they're back at home, but glad to have Tammy with me. And uh, such an honor to be here, and you know, our friendship with Pastor Mark and Amy is so valuable. And known these guys, we've known Mark for Pastor Mark for almost um, almost 35 years now. We met at Rama at an apartment complex. He was in a hot tub during a lightning storm. <laughs> he and uh, <clears throat> he and David Edwards. Uh, I think y'all may know David, and so I had to I had to. Uh, educate the boys from out west that don't see a lot of lightning storms that you, you you don't sit in a hot tub with a lightning storm and so they anyway uh and we've just been we've been great friends you know ever since and so you know i'll either call him or he'll call me on a sunday afternoon or a monday and you know how did church go and uh you know what i appreciate appreciate about pastor mark is that uh his heart for the lost and I mean, that comes through, you know, just in casual conversation that comes through from here. And man, this is just an awesome place. And I want to make a statement, and I know you know this, but you need to know that other people know this. And uh, what is happening at Life Church is not happening everywhere. I mean, you guys are packed out. Two services now packed out. And, you know, I, you know, most churches, I mean, a lot of churches are not even open. And even if they could be open, they're not open. And so what's going on here in the hand of God on Life Church is, I mean, it's, uh, and, and, and really and truly, it's, it's, it's a privilege for you, but you're also accountable for it. And, you know, just be sure that you don't take this for granted, God moving in your midst and what he's doing. Uh, don't take it for granted. Uh, be a good steward over what God's given you. And uh, man, you've got some fine pastors, you have Pastor Mark and Amy, and then all your other pastors. Why don't you give all your pastor team a, a big hand? 
they are leading you well. And, uh, man, you guys are just making a difference. And not only, you know, a difference is not just being made in this room, but outside in the community, a difference is being made. And, and man, I can just see that, you know, the, the influence growing and increasing. And, I mean, y'all are having your your church conference where you're inviting other church. I think I might come to that anyway, you know, be, be good. I'm seeing a lot of stuff around here I like, so I might just come learn about it. So, uh, <clears throat> does it cost anything? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. No. Uh, sounds great. Let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into the Word. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness, and thank you for what you're doing in this church and doing in this city. And, and Father, we're, we're grateful for it, and we, we do realize the, the stewardship that you've given us, and, and we will we'll build, be, we'll be accountable. We will guard. We will watch over it. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit today who uh, teaches, instructs, and motivates us to do everything that you've called us to do. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read just a couple of scriptures to you, and then we will we'll kind of circle back around and get to this. But in Acts, the sixth chapter, verse seven, it says, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. I like that. I mean, you, I mean, obviously there's a move of God going on when, I mean, you, for, you know, for the writers, Luke to write, the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Anybody in here besides me like multiplication and I mean, you know, you like your finances to multiply and right? You like your family to multiply. You know, Pastor Mark, I, I just know that he does, but I know that, you know, he would just love to see the disciples multiply around here because he's really, he really wants to preach like five services a Sunday and he really wants to do that. And so how, how many of you in here, you say, this is my church. Let me see your hand. You say, this is, this is my church. All right. Now, how many of you just keep your hand lifted? You say, I want to help my church. Say it. Say, I want to help my church. Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that's the will of God for you to help your church. And, and one of the things that the, the Lord wants you to do to help your church is see to it that the number of disciples multiply greatly. Amen. Greatly. This is about kingdom business. Amen. Amen. This, is about the king, this is about growing the kingdom and shrinking Satan's kingdom. Amen. And so uh, the number of disciples multiply greatly. And then Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, his last words to his disciples, to his, his followers, his, go make disciples. And so disciples are made. They just don't happen accidentally. Uh, they're made. And, you know, they, so it's a process. And so they're made. And so that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said to Timothy, The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, and so, you know, whatever Pastor Mark and the other pastors are teaching and they're instructing and, you know, and the things they have set up for this church to walk people through so they grow disciples, you know, as, as church members, you come right along beside and you help do that. You commit it to other people and they commit it to other people. And pretty soon, there's multiplication. I mean, awesome. Now, let me tell you a little story and then we're going to get into this. There's a, there was a little boy and he walked out uh, into his backyard and 
he was overheard talking into thin air. He had, a, he had his baseball cap on. He had a baseball bat. He had his baseball. And he walked out into his backyard. And he just announced to all the dogs. And he announced to the birds. He said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Any of you guys ever done that? You just, you know. And so he took his baseball and, and he threw it up. He took a cut at it and he missed. He said, strike one, strike one. And so he kind of, you know, he, you know, he's he watching TV, sees how they do it. And, and he takes his ball and he throws it up again. He takes a swing, strike two. And now he's getting serious, man. You know, it's, it's, it's 0-2. I mean, he's, he's, like, he's like on the line now. And so he, he spits in his hands, Rubs them together. He checks his bat out real good. Straightens his cap. He throws the ball out. Takes a cut at the takes a cut at the ball. Misses strike three. Wow! I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> and you know, I think that that I know that's that's funny. But you know, every single one of us, and I believe that everyone in here, there, you were created with a a desire to live a significant life. In other words, you, you were created for your life to make a difference. There's no one in here that you, you came in this morning, you said, well, you know what? I don't care what I make of my life. I'm just here. No one wants to do that. Everyone wants their life to be significant, to, to, to make a difference, to, to make a change. Everyone in here. And it's God who put that desire on the inside of us. And that desire ought to be a motivator for us to do everything that God has called us to do. And as a church, to do everything that God has called us to do, to live a life of significance. Uh, there, there was a show that came out a number of years ago, and, and maybe you remember it. I think it was a miniseries. It was called The Son of God. And it was really about the, the life and teachings of Jesus. And, and one of the, the, the scenes that's just kind of branded in my mind was, was Jesus and Peter. They were sitting out on a lake in a boat. And it was, I mean, just, it was a clear day. It was very peaceful. And, you know, there's not a sound. And all you could hear in the scene was just the, the water just lapping against the boat. And, and they're sitting in silence. And then all of a sudden, Jesus broke the silence. And he said, Peter, follow me. And, and Peter looked up at him and he said, well, what, what will we do? And Jesus said, we'll change the world. Now, you know, as in all true stories that go to film, there was a little bit of cinematic liberty that took place there. And actually what Jesus said to all of his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Anybody, any fishermen in here? You, you fish? I've caught fish before, but I am not a fisherman. If I don't, if I don't catch anything in the next first five minutes, I, I'm gone. You know, it's back to, back to something else. But he said, follow me, and, we'll make, and, and, and I'll make you a fisher of men. But how many of you know that they did change the world? Jesus and his disciples and on and on. There was a change in the world. As a matter of fact, the, the, the Bible says in Acts that those who have turned the world upside down, now that was from the perspective of unbelievers, but those who have turned the world upside down have come here. In other words, there was, they made such an impact in the world and in the generation that they were living in that people wrote about it and said, they, turned, they, they messed up our plans. They turned the world upside down. And I believe that the Lord extends that same invitation to you and I. He said, if you'll follow me, if you'll follow me, you'll live a life of significance. Your life will make a difference. Your life will make a change. You, I mean, the, the, the Lord, he'll allow you to have an e eternal impact on eternal souls. 
if you follow him. Man, that's amazing, especially when you think about there's no one in here who, who will ever cease to exist. You'll li live forever. And you and I have the opportunity to make eternal impact on eternal souls. Man, that's awesome. And so uh, he, he wants to, I, I want to talk to you about how to change the, the world, how to change the world. Because Jesus said, well, in the, in the film, in the movie, he said, follow me and we'll change the world. So how do we change the world? And you think about the world, this, the world is, is big, 7.8 billion people. That is a lot of people. I, I remember uh, uh, a few years ago when the population of the, of the world were like 6 billion people, someone did a calculation with math and they said, if you, if you stood people, you know, uh, nose to back and you did, and, and you could wrap them around the earth, you know, the circumference of, of the earth, 25 times, that's how many 6 billion people are. They could get around the earth 25 times and 7.8 billion people. And you think about that, you say, wow, man, my little life, how can I change the world? Well, you may not can have a global impact, but you can sure have an impact with where God's put you. Amen. Amen. You may not directly have a global impact, but you can impact right where you are. So, you know, for Peter following Jesus, it means a career change. How many of you know that he had to leave the boat? Right? He had to leave his nets and it had to be a career change. And so for you and I, it could just be a change of mind. We just need to uh, understand that God has us right where he wants us. And, and a lot of people think, well, if I'm, going, if I'm going to change the world, I'm going to have to go across the ocean. Well, for a few of you, you may have to go across the ocean. For most of us, we just need to go across the street. Because God has us right where he wants us. He's perfectly positioned us right where he wants us, and for us to have influence right where we are. Um, a very wise pastor, you may know him, Pastor Mark Bohr. Uh, a number of years ago, he, he, he shared something with me, and I've just been preaching this. I preach it to our church about once or twice a year, and I actually, a guy heard me preaching on it, and he said, hey, can you send me your notes to that? And I said, sure, I sent him my notes to it. Next thing I know, he was sending me a book. He had wrote a book on it. So there you go. You and I, you and I, well, you're already an author, but now I'm an author, and I didn't even write the book. I just, just gave the guy the notes. And so, uh, and, and, and y'all probably heard this. And what he explained to me is finding Frank, not finding Nemo, finding Frank. And how many of you know what Frank stands for, the acronym? Your, your friends, that's the people that you, you like to hang out with. It's the people you like. Your relatives, that's the people you're stuck with. Uh, your associates, that's the people you, you, know, you work with, you go to school with. Your neighbors, people you live near. And then kid connections, people that your kids, you know, how that works. And so each of us, we have those circles, those spheres of influence in our life that God has already perfectly positioned us to change our world. That is your world. It doesn't get any bigger than that. It's just who you know who God has allowed you to have influence with. And so God has perfectly positioned us to change our world. They, you know, and so they, you, you may know people. I know I know people. They may be in church but they're not in Christ. As a matter of fact, I was driving 
one day and, and, you know, there's times that the Lord speaks to you and you know that it's the Lord that's speaking to you. Of course, Pastor Mark's preaching on, on the voice right now. And, uh, but I heard the voice of the Lord and I don't mean I heard it out here, but it was just distinct on the inside. And he said there, and he said it like really strong to me. He said, there are people, you know, that don't know me. I don't know that I'd just gotten complacent about the loss, but he said, there are people, you know, that don't know me. And I'm saying, wow, that was the Lord. And, uh, you know, a few seconds later, he said it again. There are people you know that don't know me. And I okay, all right. And, and then I was just kind of, I wasn't really following up on it. And then finally I said, Lord, I said it out loud. I said, everybody I know goes to my church. I mean, I've been, that's, my, that's been my life for, you know, at that time, 15 or 20 years. That's been my life. And uh, I said, everybody I know is at my church. And he said it again, there are people you know that don't know me. So I realized I got some work to do in my church. I got a bunch of sinners in my church. They're in church, they're not in Christ. They're in church, but they're not in Christ. How many of you know that can happen? Especially where I'm from. <laughs> I mean, where I'm from, everybody's a Christian. If you talk with a draw, a draw, what's a draw? Draw? How do you say that, y'all? <laughs> if, you talk, if you talk with a draw, you're a Christian. If you check it on your job application, you're a Christian. And so everybody's a Christian. Well, you know, you can be in church but not be in Christ. You can believe in God and not belong to him. Well, I believe in God. Great. I believe in Jesus. Great. That's great. But that doesn't mean that you're right with God. And so... Uh, we, we have a job to do. Uh, in John, the first chapter, I, I asked you to turn there, didn't I? Or did I say fourth chapter? John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter, and uh, in verse 43, John chapter 1, verse 43, it says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. He found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. He found Philip. Everybody say, He found Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and, uh, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. So we see, here, we see here a couple of things. Jesus found Philip. I mean, this sounds very intentional to me. He, he didn't, it didn't say that he found Joe. It didn't say that he found somebody else. He, he found what he was looking for. How many of you know whatever you seek, that's what you're going to find? Anybody ever, you, you know, I, I know this, the last car I bought, um, I was searching, I was, I'm going to buy this particular car, and up until that time, I've never noticed this car, I've never noticed the color of this car, and then as soon as I bought that car, I saw that car everywhere. Man, I thought, man, I got, I've got a limited edition car, and then why? Because whatever you seek, that's what you're going to find. If you're looking for it, you're going to find it. That's why you have to be careful about what you go looking for. Yeah, that's good. If you go looking for something every time you have a symptom, guess what? Something just may turn up. Well, you just don't go looking for it. You have a symptom, what do you do? You go look for something else. You go look for the answer. What's the, what's the word say? What's the, what's the word say about this symptom? The first place you okay. The first place you ought to look is not WebMD. That's right. Right. The first place 
is the word. What does the word say? Anyway, whatever you seek. Okay. You know, one time, all right, I'll go with that for a second. Now, I have to ask this question every time. Which side is your appendix on? Anybody know? The right side? Okay. Uh, a few years ago, I, man, I just had this pain in my left side. And it, it, man, it just hurt, just a pain in my left side. And um, I mean, it got, it got like really strong. I didn't tell anybody about it. It just got really strong in my left side. And, and then the devil said something. I didn't know it was the devil. Well, I did. But the devil said something. He said, you've got appendicitis. And I, I said, I do? <laughs> I didn't say it quite like that, but he said, you have appendicitis. Your appendix are about to rupture. Poison's going to spread all through your body and you're going to die. How? You know, the, the devil is the most catastrophic thinking person or entity there is. And he said, you've got appendicitis. It's on my left side. I'm hurting. And I said, wow. I said, man, I wonder if I have appendicitis. I wonder if my appendix are about to rupture and, and poison's going to spread throughout my whole body and, and I'm going to die. And then you start having visions. You see yourself in a casket. You see people standing around the casket, you know, cry, some are crying, some are going, yeah, all right. No, I'm just kidding. And, and I said, well, I better, I better check this out. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get appendicitis and my appendix rupture and I die. And I, and I looked up and I found, man, your appendix are on your right side. There's something else going on. But you know, the devil plays like that. And look, and if, if he can, if he could bait you, if he can bait you with something, if he can get you to latch on to it, if he can get you looking for it, if he can get you thinking about it, if he can get you to just, you know, just take the bait, he can just lead you down a path. And man, your imagination can go wild with you. It's a trap. It's a trap. So what do you need to do? No, no matter what it is, no matter what it is in life, no matter what it is, no matter the symptom, you go back to the word. What does the word say? What's the word say about this sickness? What does the word say about this symptom? What does the word say about this lack in my life? I mean, anybody ever you have financial trouble? Say, man, I am going down. Everything's going to be taken away. Anybody? Well, the devil doesn't play fair with you. So what does the word say? Latch on to it. Stand. Yes. Doesn't the word say stand? stand? Stand on what? Stand on what the word says. And having done all to stand, stand. Amen. So maybe that was for somebody. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you've got, maybe your side's hurting on the left. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Your side's hurting on the right. You're going to be healed. Amen. All right. So everybody say this. Found people. Find people. You know, that's, once you're found, what should you, you, what should you and I start doing? We should start looking for someone else. Man, I, man thank God. I'm glad he found me, but he found me through somebody else. So once we're found, we ought to go find somebody else. So let me give you a little bit of my testimony. I got, I got saved, born again, in Super Bowl Sunday, 1986. And uh, so every Super Bowl, man, we, just, I, we, we have an evangelistic deal at our church. Matter of fact, well, let me, let me finish the story, and then I'll give you the backstory. story. Um, I was at this Super Bowl party. It wasn't a Christian fellowship. It was, 
it was a heathen <laughs> Super Bowl party. And, you know, and it, of course, it was on a Sunday. Now, I grew up going to church. And at this point in my life, I was, I was 20 years old. And every Sunday, I would take my grandmother to church because she worked in the nursery. And she would give me $5 for gas you know, to take her to church and pick her up from church. And so I would take that $5 and I would, you know, I'd either put some gas in my car or I would, you know, do whatever, but hardly ever went to church. And I, I would sit in the lobby sometimes. And so that particular Sunday, I'm not thinking about, man, I am going to get right with God today. I, I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus today. I'm going, you know, I'm going to answer the call to preach today. I, I'm not thinking of that. You know what I'm thinking about? Man, they're going to have kegs of beer at the Super Bowl party. We're going to have a big time. And so I walk into that Super Bowl party, and there's 30 or 40 people in there, and, and it's getting cranked up pretty good, and nobody's really interested in the Super Bowl party. The Super Bowl's just a, you know, it's just an excuse to get together to do what we're going to do. And uh, so I'm, I'm in this party, and this friend of mine walks in, and we'd just been together a few nights before, a whole group of us. And when she walked in, I, this is the only way I can explain it, it's supernatural. There was this light on her face. I mean, it was, her face was just, it was just lit up. And I, I, I looked at her, and I said, I said, Tanya, what happened to you? And she said, I gave my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus. I said, that's what I need to do. And I turned and I, I left the Super Bowl party. I cried all the way home, cried all the way home. Well, I didn't find the Lord. He found me. I, I didn't have sense enough to look for him. You know, the Bible says in Romans that no one seeks after him. No one does. No, he found you. If you're found, it's because he found you. He, he, did some, he put somebody in your path. He orchestrated something. He found you. So backstory. The backstory is this. My mom... Who was who a prayer? How many of you are thankful for moms who prayed? She had had a, a couple of dreams about me, and she, she was very, very disturbed about it. As a matter of fact, she thought my life was in danger, and it probably was in danger. And, and she had been praying, and as she was praying one night, an angel walked into her room. And, and the angel just said, in seven days, that's all I said, in seven days, you'll see Chuck's deliverance. In seven days. And she just kind of put that on the shelf. And then that, that next Sunday, we were at, I was at a Super Bowl party. And my dad and my brother stayed home to watch the Super Bowl. And she was super irritated that we would not go to be in church on a Sunday night, that we would be at a Super Bowl party. And, and well, by the time she got home from church, I walked in. She, she thought something happened to me. Man, I was just bawling. I was crying. And she, she said, what's going on? I said, I gave my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus. <laughs> And uh, she, pulled out this, she pulled out this piece of paper. And, and right there on this piece of paper, she wrote down that, that angel appeared to in seven days. It was seven, I mean, it was exactly seven days. What, Jesus, he is, a, he is on, a, on a search for lost people. You may be in here today. And you might just think, man, you just came, maybe somebody harassed you to come. Maybe they bribed you to come. They promised you lunch or they've just been bugging you for so long and you're thinking maybe if I just come one time, they'll get off my case. Well, I don't believe that you're here by accident. The Lord loves you enough to have somebody to bug you to come to church. 
The Lord loves you enough to put someone in your path that cares about you and has probably been praying for you. He's put somebody in your path so that you could be here right now so that you could hear the good news about Jesus. But for all of us who are saved, it's important for us to realize that if we're found, we have a responsibility, and we must take that responsibility serious. So in, uh, Jesus found Philip, Philip found Nathaniel. Now, John chapter 4 and verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. I want us to notice this. And uh, he says this, but the, Jesus said the, that wrong verse. Where, where am I? Verse 35. I'm in 25. John 4, verse 35. He said, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. And I, I love this. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, there's something that you can do that can be, it can be for eternity. You can affect people's lives for eternity. And there's three points out of this portion of scripture I just want to just bring up. Number one, if we're going to really change our world, and I'm talking about the world that you live in, I mean, those, those, those groups of people that God has already put you in contact with, number one, we'll just have to wake up. We'll have to wake up to the condition of the lost people around us. We'll have to become conscious, hey, you know, there are people around me. They don't know him. And if they don't know him, they don't have eternal life. And if they don't have eternal life, if they were to die, they're not going to make heaven. And so we have to wake up to the fact that people who don't know him are lost and they're dead and their trespasses and their sins and they don't have eternal life abiding in, in them. Number two, we're going to have to, not only we're going to have to wake up, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to look up. Look up. Now, we're, we're living in a world, we're living in a society that's so self-absorbed, it's all about us. You know, what do I look like? What do I sound like? And, and I think we all battle that. I think, I'm, I'm thinking there, all right, I'm going to get up there and and people are going to be thinking, man, that guy talks like he's got an accent. I don't have an accent. Y'all have an accent. <laughs> Where I'm from, everybody talks like me. So, uh, no, but I'm thinking about, all right, you know, they're, they're going to be checking out my accent or whatever. And so, so a lot of times we can just get self-absorbed and just look inward. But when we realize, you know, there's people in the world that are more important than us at the time. And lost people are more important. And I believe, that, I believe that, that, that God is so distracted by lost people. I think he's thinking about lost people, and that's why he puts lost people on our heart, and, and, he, and he motivates us to reach lost because he's distracted by them. So I'm going to get to that in a minute. So we gotta, we got to wake up, we got to look up, and then finally we got to rise up. we got to take responsibility. It's got to be our personal responsibility. You know what? I'm going to allow God to use me to reach lost people, to make disciples. I'm going to allow him to use me. I'm going to allow him to partner with my church to reach lost people and make disciples. And if we'll do that, i tell you what, God, it's amazing. I heard, I heard this statistic that... Uh, Someone did one of these spiritual gift surveys. And, you know, after the, they did it with, I mean, it was a, it was a big survey. And, they, and when it was all over, they tallied up everything. And, you know, they found out that only 10% of the people who took the survey said they had the gift 
of evangelism. Now, isn't that something? That the very thing that the Lord told us to do, he only gifted 10% of the people to do it. I think a lot of times people have, they have this, this idea about, you know, evangelism, reaching the lost somebody on a bullhorn, you know, say, you're going to hell. You know, that's how we do it down. <laughs> well, that's, that's not what it's about. We can be much more relational than that, and really it'll, it would work. And so, no, God hadn't gifted only 10% of the people. He's gifted all of us to reach the lost. He's empowered all of us to reach the lost. We just have to rise up and, and you know, take the personal responsibility for it and say, I will be used of God. You say, that's, that, that's threatening. I'm, I'm just not that outgoing. I'm not outgoing either. I, I, let me tell you how unoutgoing I am and how shy I am. Tenth grade English was the best three years of my life. <laughs> and, you know, the reason is that I was so backwards shy, I would not get up in front of anyone to talk. No one. I, I mean, if, if, if it's more than two or three people, I am not going to talk in front of you. And so we had this this big oral thing that we had to do in our English class, and, and I just refused to do it. And I flunked for, I flunked two years, finally got out. The th I think they just let me out. Matter of fact, I'm a, I'm a really smart guy. I'm really smart. It didn't show up in school, though. And so, I, you know, before I, I was, when I got saved, when I, when I got saved, um, I just, well, I was planning to go to the Air Force before I got saved, and so uh, I called the principal of our school during the summer. I didn't think he would be there, but he, he picked up the phone. I said, hey, Mr. Husky, I said, uh, I'm thinking about going to the Air Force, but I'm not sure if I graduated or not because I didn't go walk with the class. He said, Chuck, we've had your diploma up here for two years now. So I said, awesome. I am a high school graduate. I am a smart guy. And uh, anyway, I don't know where all that's from, but... So we have, to, we have to look up. We have to rise up. Let me tell you a story. You know, Jesus told a story in Luke 15, really illustrating the Father's heart and the Father's attitude about lost people. And he gave us a story, a parable, and he actually used three different stories. He talked, y'all know this, he talked about the lost sheep. Y'all remember that? A man had 100 sheep. One sheep went astray. And what, what happened? He went and he searched for that one sheep until he found it. And when he found it, he brought it back home on his shoulders. And, and he brought it, you know, to people and they rejoiced. And the, and the Bible says, and how much more joy is there in heaven when one sinner repents? One. One person. One person. Heaven erupts. Heaven parties. When one person, one person out of the six, seven point eight billion people on the earth, when one person gets saved, heaven erupts. Why? Because God loves lost people. And then he talks about, you know, the lady with the woman with the lost coin. Then he talks about the, the man who had two sons. One went out into prodigal living. And, and I, I love the picture of this. Don't have time to get into it. I love the picture of this. But it says that when his father saw him coming. You know what that tells me? He was looking for him. He was looking for him. And you know God's looking for you, and God's got his eye on you, and he's looking for you. 
But God cares about the one. You know, that, uh, years ago, Tammy and I, we took our kids to uh, a water park. and it, I, think it was, I think we were in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, it, was, it was packed. It was the middle of July. It was packed. There was thousands of people there. And so my, my son, Luke, was a little bitty guy. And in Sydney, I don't, she was old enough to go down the big slides with me. And so Luke was going to stay with his mom at the kitty area. But what I didn't know, I thought that it was understood that he was coming with me and Sydney, and we're going to go down this slide. And so we left, and, and the line was so long, we were in that line for about an hour. And, you know, we went down the slide and finished it up. And so we were walking back to the kitty area, and I kept noticing these employees of the water park, they're on their walkie-talkies, and, and I would walk by, and they were looking at me, and they were, and I was like, man, that's kind of weird. What are they doing? And they're just staring at me. And then I'd walk by, and and I go, man, they're, I just, it's just odd to me that, you know, I walk by and they're looking at me and then they're, they're on their walkie talkie. So finally we got to the kitty area and, and when we did, Tammy came walking towards, she just, man, she had just tears coming down her face. She was just so distraught. I'm, I think, what in the world happened? Somebody drowned or somebody died? I mean, what happened? And she said, we've been looking for Luke, which I don't know, he was a little bitty guy, probably four years old. We've been looking for Luke for an hour. I said, well, he's been with me. <laughs> said, well, we didn't know it was with you. And so they shut down the park. They shut down the gates. They turned off the wave pool. Every, every employee was on high alert. And let me tell you something. If they hadn't been on high alert, if they just were just not, oh, I'm sure he'll turn up somewhere. Just relax, mama. How many of you know that wouldn't have gone over real well? And sometimes I think, I think this, that a lot of times our attitude towards lost people, we don't, we don't have the same heart that God does. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about my church. You know, we don't, have this, we don't have the same heart towards lost people. God cares for lost people. He loves lost people, loves them so much that he sent his only son to die in their place. Amen. So let me ask you a question. Then we'll, we'll close, close up right here. Let me ask you a question. What if? Every person in here, and this is, this is a huge ask. I understand this is probably, this is going to probably blow you away, and you're going to probably think, there's no way I can do that. But what if everyone in here believed God? And you say, what do you mean by that? I mean, you just ask God a simple question. You make a simple request of God. What if you ask God, Lord, help me reach one person? I mean, before the, the end of the year is out, you help me reach one person for you. And what I, I don't mean you're preaching to them. You can if you want to. But I mean, you're, man, you're, you're inviting them to church. You're walking them through your discipleship process. I mean, you're going with them to the welcome lunch and sitting with them and say, hey, that's, that's a good step. Go to the welcome lunch. Hey, how about getting in a connect group? Or how about getting on an outreach team? How about serving on the dream team? I mean, it just and just... Walking people through, that is discipleship. That is discipleship. And getting them plugged, what if you just believe God for one? Let me tell you, in five years, I mean, if 500, if only 500 of you did that, you just said, I'm, I'm going to do this, and then you taught them to do exactly what you're doing. That's discipleship. If you taught them to do this, in five years, you would have added 16,000 people to your church. You say, well, I don't want a church that big. Well, yeah, you do. You really do. 
So I, I don't like it to be about the numbers. Well, it's so, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but heaven and hell are realities. And God cares about the one. Right? And so if we would each take our, our responsibility and say, I want to reach one person. Lord, would you help me reach one? I believe that God would help you. I believe that God would help us put one person in our presence and say, yeah, go after them. Go after them. Buy them lunch. Ask them to church. I believe that it would help us. And I tell you what, and, and many of you can attest to this, when God uses you, I, I mean, I, even more than the gifts of the Spirit, more than, I mean, more than healings. I mean, I've seen some cool healings in my life too. But more than that, when God uses you to bring someone into the kingdom of God, man, there is joy like no other. You just made an eternal difference. Amen. So how many of you just lift your hand and say, I, I think I can believe God for one person. Let me see your hand. You say, I think I can believe God for one. Good. Let's start today with it. I mean, just begin to think through your, your friend group and your, your family. Who, who needs the Lord? Write their name down. Begin to pray for them. Call them. See how they're doing. Be nice to them. Buy them lunch. Buy them some tennis shoes. I don't know. Do something for them. And then let, allow the Lord to open the door. Praise God.